It's our pleasure right now to be joined by one of Wayne Gretzky's favorite people. And we know that because Wayne spent a lot of time with us over the last uh, year with his return to the Oilers organization. Bill Twilley was the longtime uh, public relations man for the Edmonton Oilers. He did a multitude of tasks, including he really was the guy, along with Dave Semenko, God rest his yeah. soul, who, who looked out for number one. Yep. You And that was part of parcel with your job, Bill. Welcome Big. back. Welcome back to Edmonton. Thanks, Bob. What was it like to uh, be the uh, the conductor of the uh, that circus-like train show that was the Oilers' rock star team back in the 1980s? It's interesting you ask that because when I started, I was a broadcaster, as you know. When I started, I thought, my goodness, this is going to be easy. You know, I, I watched what John Short was doing. It isn't going to be easy. And, then, course, and people forget that John Short was the first. Was the first PR. Well, actually, the first PR guy was Doug Winchlock. Okay. And back in the WHA transition, right. and I was with. CFC. And then Short in, in the NHL, right? Yes. 79-80. Yeah, and that was his only year. But the the irony was, is when I took the job, I because I didn't know what it was. I didn't. Slats and I just happened to get along. So he said, "Do you want the job?" And I said, "Oh yeah." And so when I did it. I didn't realize what, what was going to happen to Wayne. No one did, I don't think. No one really realized. And it wasn't until we got to Toronto the first time when I understood that I was, if not over my head, I was at least not exactly going to be doing, I didn't have to publicize anything. I didn't right. have to do the traditional public relations and promote, and it was more of a blocking mechanism. In fact, <laughs> I think I became Dr. Noah very yes. quickly. But, you know, in context with, with Connor McDavid today, but in those days... Um, when we went into Toronto, we had 135 people show up to the first news conference. Luciano Pavarotti, the great uh, tenor, yes. was in town at the same time. Two toughest tickets in the history of Toronto were the first Maple Leaf game against Gretzky, pro. Gretzky needed 31 tickets, and I had to go out in the street and flog a stick with the scalpers to get tickets for him. It, it started to dawn on me, hmm, this guy might be a little bigger than what we thought. Um, because at that point, he was just a skinny kid, and no one was really sure what, he, what was going to happen. So... It was a blessing that he was who he was, not unlike Connor, a gracious, modest, good guy. Right. And so it was a wonderful association, and I'll never forget it. But it was an interesting learning experience because we both learned real fast. Well, it's, uh, I don't know if Gretzky could hold uh, the Vincenzo note that uh, Pavarotti could <laughs> for 18 seconds. Definitely but not. <laughs> as I recall, Wayne Gretzky, I don't know if it was his first game in Toronto, but he, him and Don Ashby both had six points there in the 79-80 season. Yeah. And uh, I guess that just reinforces oh, how. That, that game was ridiculous. As a matter of fact, that halfway through the third period, I had to go downtown, downstairs from the, the old Toronto press box in Maple Leaf Gardens because all the media left. They, instead of sitting in the box to watch the rest of the game, they went downstairs, stood outside the, the oiled dressing room, which, if you remember, the old Maple Leaf Gardens was <laughs> not, not much more than two toilets. Right. Like, it was ridiculous. It was small. It was small, and, and it actually seriously had two toilets right in the middle, open stalls of the dressing room. It's part of the uh, Howard uh, Harold Ballard right. regime. But, yeah, it, it, Wayne could never sing, by the way, uh, at all. Right. Couldn't hold any note. Mark Messier thought he could. You no, know, he can't either. <laughs> Although I should say this, at Christmas parties, with enough uh, motivation in a live band, he could do uh, Suspicious Minds, not bad. <laughs> he was a good... <laughs> this is the stuff you get nowhere else. There you go. Well, not not everybody could come to the Christmas parties. We were actually a little shocked, to be honest with you. And I get a big laugh. You mentioned Steve Knowles, who right. most of your listeners won't know, but he was my assistant or a, in the stats department for many, years. And he many really years. was Mr. No. He you were was. not Mr. No. He was grumpy. We were just call him You grumpy. didn't even get to first base with Steve. I couldn't talk to him. He was so <laughs> growly when he got... But uh, Steve, uh, as, you, as you know, is love affair with the, the U of A Golden Bears, and good for him. But um, 
at our first Christmas party with Steve Knowles, everybody thought he was the quietest, most introspective, grumpy guy on earth. And we had a band, Cheatin' and Hurtin', which right. came sure. back on the on the reunions. And Steve, all of a sudden, bolted out of his chair and went running across the dance floor, which was empty at the time, and slid across the dance floor and then did the worm on the floor. And and to that, to the day, I mean, when I when Glenn Sather used to say, "You got to get rid of Knowles. He's too grumpy and all that," I said. Who else can do the worm at the Christmas party? Anyway, yeah, the Christmas parties were definitely special. They probably still are. What was it like for you? Uh, and it's a little bit different now, but you didn't just, you just weren't the PR guy. I mean, you had no. 19 different jobs yeah. as part of that. Five Stanley Cups in seven years. I mean, perhaps the, I think the most electrifying offensive team we've ever seen in well, NHL sure. history. Yeah. They had style. They had panache. What yeah. was it like to be a part of that group? Exciting. You were you were a part of it, and that was reinforced with the 84 reunion. Yeah. Uh, you did a great job, by the way, Bill. Thank I did you. not know you had that in you, <laughs> but your opening was stellar. It Thank was you. It was better than the guy that voiced the old Molson Canadian commercial. So, oh, you know, it was No, it was really good. Thank but you. what was it like to be around those guys at that time? Uh, probably when you look back at it, it was... Uh, at, at the time, because you, we won, I, I hate to use the word so easily because in 82, 83, right. it wasn't that easy. And in 84, it was very hard. But when, when we got the role going, it became really apparent that this team was a special. It's been named the hundred, you know, the top team of the century in the National Hockey League. Right. And it stayed together for a long time. And so we just kept winning. And then, and because of the associations with, with Glenn Sather and everything, I got to go to the Canada Cups, World Cups, World Championships, Olympics. So I got all this. It just seemed like normal. Right. So all of a sudden when reality started to hit and Gretz was off to L.A. and, and guys started moving around, it was, it was a rude awakening for me because I'd never been with a loser ever in my life. And it, so thrilling, wonderful history, great memories, wonderful times. Tonight's a witness to that. Yeah. But it, it was also... A real awakening to the profession because when you think about it, there's 30 teams, 31 teams. There's only one winner. Not everybody gets <laughs> and the winner. not generally five in seven years. You know, maybe one every 10 or 20. And when you think about teams like Toronto, like really significant uh, teams that are n probably, if they do win, it's going to be a, like hen's teeth. Very rare, right. maybe once right. in their whole lifetimes. In in, in maybe in, a whole, in your whole life, you might see your favorite team win once. Well, like the Chicago Cubs in sure. baseball. So. But fortunately, I saw my favorite team win five times, and hopefully more. There you go. Uh, Bill Twilley, just to wrap up, Bill, you had a, I know they honored you tonight here in the press box. You had Bob Nicholson and Kevin Lowe and all the people, all Thank the you. old boys. That had to have been special for you. Congratulations for that. I know we're, uh, it's, it's great to see you here again. Uh, I'd like to see you train J.J. well. Too late. Right. <laughs> he turned 30. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, what can you do? <laughs> Anyhow, uh, enjoy the night, and we'll for sure do this again down the road and Thank maybe you. have a little bit more time to tell some more Cheers, stories. Bob. All right, that is Bill Twilley, longtime Oilers PR man.